You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. We're glad to be back with you on the podcast. There is much to talk about. Two really great car debates coming up. We've got a first one coming up from Tom, and I am very curious to talk about that one because there's a lot of information there. And then we've got a shorter one coming up from George writing in from Los Angeles, who I think the car he should have is the car he doesn't want. But we'll get back around to that. Oh, really? Yeah, I think exactly. I know exactly the car for him, but we'll get back around to there, George. So brace yourself. George wants a car for Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. Yeah. Doesn't that make you think of all kinds of other cars? Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, we've got some questions for you guys as well, so thank you for that. But we have a few things up front, and the first thing I want to touch on is uh, 928 News. Yeah. When is there Porsche 928 News? I mean, short of you, never. (laughs) Never. Or or selling the Risky Business Car. Those are the two events I can think of. The Risky Business Car was sold. You bought yours. That's been the 928 News for the past year. Yeah. Good news, everyone. The 928 is finally getting some love. Yes. In the form of a modern Restomod built by a company called Nardone Automotive by Thierry, Thierry Nardone in France, who has revised the bodywork with lightweight carbon fiber, and it's got a 400-horsepower V8 engine in it, which is what it needed. Is it the engine from the Panamera lineup, or do we... I can't really tell. Okay. I, I'm not quite sure on that yet, but it does have a modern ECU, which was the Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. Uh, most early cars were the uh, L Jetronic by Bosch, and then later cars got the upgrade. But if your ECU goes, you have to have reprinted circuit boards these days, and there's people who can rebuild it for you, and it's six hundred plus dollars just to get your ECU rebuilt. You would be the person that would have done that research. You are absolutely the guy to tell us about that. This is one sure. of the reasons I wanted an early car because those ECUs just tended to go. I mean, not go away. They just tended to run and last. Oh, I and see. And it was the okay. later ones that kind of got finicky. Oh, interesting. So you thought the so early I, car? I you'd this, be, you're, yeah. you're future-proofing yourself well, with your forty-year-old car. <laughs> Excellent. Good choice. When you good put it choice. Like that, yes. Doesn't make sense. Nevertheless. What they have done is given it the six-speed gearbox instead of the five Mm -hmm. with a true LSD in the rear, redesigned front and rear axle, active electronic suspension, improved braking, electric power steering. I'm not in love with, but actually, it's probably an improvement over the current 928. I mean, (laughs) current. I say current, the one I have. The the, the standard one. Yes, I got it. Yes. And it's got Foglizzo leather on the inside, an Alcantara. If you look up Foglizzo leather on the internet, uh, it's sure. delightful. Okay. It's, yes. <laughs> and it's got a new audio system and the Porsche Classic Management with CarPlay. And the styling, it has been restyled so mm-hmm. that nose is even longer. It's not the same body panels. And what I love is that it's the same on my car. They have removed the rub strip. Down mm-hmm. the door. Most 928s have that bump that's rub a good strip. Point. That's a very and that's good point. gone, so it's cleaned up the surface. Yeah, and now yeah. you're just looking at pure shape. Mm-hmm. Also, those rear fenders have been widened. I mean, everything has. Yeah, but yeah. from the very top plan view, oh, it's it's got hips now. <laughs> She's gorgeous. Easy there. Easy. Family show. Oh. Yeah. I'm just liking that it's getting love. Uh-huh. Because this is probably one of the last... Porsche cars that would have gotten its uh, attention paid to it. It's the, honestly, it's like this and the 914 that True. are that are left for people to be like, you know, what we should actually. But people have yeah. built 914s, track True. cars Fair and point. monster Fair trucks yeah, out yeah. of them. The 928, nobody's really 
been able to touch it or yeah, known what okay. to do with it until now. Okay. And if you think about it, there were only 60,000 approximately 928s built in its production run, 14, mm-hmm. 15 years. Canapa, Bruce Canapa, takes the 959 and does a resto mod mm-hmm. sweetening, mm-hmm. rebuilding of everything. Those They're $2 million. Yeah. Porsche only built 300 or so yeah, 959s. Point. Yeah. Because you think, oh, when you're building a restaurant mod, well, then all the part scarcity and all that stuff. But what I like is this. Everybody's talking about 928s now. <laughs> Suddenly, it's back in the news. Right. It's all anybody right. can talk yes. about it. I love the wheels. Modern interpretation of the manhole cover wheels, mm-hmm. which I really like. Mm-hmm. The interior is updated, but still classic looking. Everything looks modern. I think it's beautiful. I think it's brilliant. I desperately want one. I've heard somewhere in the neighborhood of 480,000 euro. Deliveries don't start until 2024. Mm. I would love us for... We finish the Cars of the Past series, Mm -hmm. and I immediately ship my car to Nardone Automotive (laughs) with... 480,000 euros. I don't yeah, know where that uh, part comes from. Say, that, that's, but I have the donor yeah. car. You have the to donor start car. With. That's great. I mean, step one Good is job. accomplished. Good job. And then I send it to them. I'm not in love with the color, but imagine this. They went with that champagne color mm-hmm. because it says more classy, elegant. It's not a bright, hot, full saturation mm-hmm. kind of color. It doesn't really belong on this car. But imagine my color scheme. The deep wine plummy color from the Maserati <laughs> with the bronze wheels on uh-huh. this thing. Uh-huh. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, Done. you're excited. That, that definitely oh, hit, like, oh. hit right to the heart of who you are this week with news. Meanwhile, there was other car news this week that hit right to the heart of who I am. It's movie news. Yes. I can't wait for this? this. I can't wait. Yes, there, I did. Okay. There's a long running <laughs> movie that Brad Pitt wants to do as an F1 movie. Okay. I didn't know. Was this his conception, his idea? I seriously doubt it. I so doubt it So there's a Brad Pitt F1 movie that now has the executive producer backing of Lewis Hamilton uh-huh. and the current hotness director. Who's known director. for backing movies. Yeah, That's exactly. what he's known for. The, the, the current the hotness director that. of Top Gun, of course. Now everybody wants to do the next movie with him. Right. This F1 project has found a home <laughs> at Apple. They won the bidding war. So it's going to be at Apple. Now, Apple TV has done some very cool stuff. One of the big mandates for them is that they want big star projects. Tom Hanks did like a long running. He wanted to do a World War II battleship movie. It landed at Apple. Okay. The yeah, yeah. the morning show that they launched the product with was Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. That's huge star backing big for the names, two of them yeah. together. So they want yeah. to do big projects with big names. This fits right in perfectly with their mandate. There's a couple things about this I'd like to mention. <laughs> okay. First off, this was everywhere in the news. If, if you follow Cars yeah. at all, this yeah. was everywhere. Oh, F1 movie coming. Lewis Hamilton's involved. Brad Pitt's going to be in it. The director of Top Gun. How awesome can this be? And it took a while to find the pitch because the information was just what I just told you. Brad Pitt, Lewis Hamilton, the director of Top Gun and Apple TV. Cool. F1 movie. And here I am, story guy going, <clears throat> excuse me, hand at the back of the room. Um, <laughs> what's this going to be about? Ooh. Supporting okay. your arm with yes. your, at it's, your elbow. It's, ooh, it's been ooh, a while. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Please back here. Please pick ooh. me. So that was the first thing. <laughs> then I've actually since then heard the pitch. Now I'm going to tell you what I have heard for the pitch. And then I want to unpack it just a, just a bit. <laughs> just, just, a, just a bit. Just a smidge. Just, just a tidy little bit. The pitch apparently is a driver comes out of retirement to compete and guide alongside a rookie teammate. Now, that means that the driver coming out of retirement, of course, will be Brad Pitt. He's perfect. 
I get it. I'm sure he'll be shirtless at some point. He has a brand. He has maintained this brand for more than 20 years. He is great at what he does. He's a very good actor. He's done a broad range of things. I want to mention this, though. Brad Pitt is almost 60. Is he really? He's almost 60. No kidding. Now, 60s never looked so good. I'm sure some of you are saying. I'm sure some of your wives are definitely saying that. Okay. But that means he'd be like retired two generations back as an F1 driver. It's not like you hired Jensen Button or Nico Rosberg, or even right. David Coulthard. You hired, like, the I mean, generation David beyond is, that. David's early 50s, but the other two, Jensen and Nico, are not yet 40, I don't think. And so that is the actual the retired generation. The, that's the retired generation. Yeah. We're talking about a man who's 60. So I just want to bring that up. But here is the bigger thing I want like, to say. What I'm is Nicky Lauda doing as my teammate? Exactly right. I want to go back to the pitch real quick, and then I want to read an alternate pitch. Okay. Again, the pitch of this movie is supposed to be that a driver comes out of retirement to compete against his rook, against a rookie alongside his rookie teammate to guide him. That's the pitch. Okay. Here's an alternate pitch. <clears throat> Not for this movie. A young hotshot driver in the middle of a championship season is coming apart and a former champion is called in to give him guidance. One guess what that is the pitch for. The uh, Sylvester Stallone driven. movie Driven. Now, my question is exactly what's on your mind now. Has no one seen Driven that's involved with this project? I've seen Driven. And are they planning to watch Driven to make sure they don't make the same mistakes? You're talking about the exact same pitch. This is bad. I hope very bad. Look, with the people involved, I hope it's awesome. But I just laughed at the Hollywoodness of it, that it was sold, and nobody bothered to say it was what it was about. And when I finally found that pitch, which hopefully is the right pitch, hopefully they're not repeating the wrong thing, that that was what it was about. I was like, that's exactly the pitch for Driven, which I, I was reading off of IMDb. Yeah. So let's hmm. hope, let's hope this becomes a good movie. But mm, great, great pieces, great people involved do not make great story. Well, you, Todd, have always told me about your experiences from the film industry. Mm -hmm. And when you're in pitch rooms, which you've been in, you've been a part of for a long time, nobody, this is my understanding, correct me, because I I am completely just bits and pieces right now. Keep going, yeah. You have told me that nobody really makes a movie off of a couple of ideas and we throw it around and then some producer in the room says the magic code words, Let's make a movie together, which is code for get out of my office. I never want to see you again. This will never be made. I have never been in a pitch meeting ever that didn't end with somebody saying, let's make a movie together, which I used to take. That's code, I, I right? used to take that as, oh, cool. They really like it. And I realized, no, no, you say that to everybody. That's just your goodbye. I got another meeting. <laughs> that is true. But you yes. have to have a script. That's why there's screenwriters writing on spec, hoping mm-hmm. to sell a script. You've sold scripts. Yes. You've written scripts. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they sell, maybe they don't, but you've, you've been also hired to write scripts, mm-hmm. but that's the whole point of making movies. You don't just assemble cast and have a loose idea and, Oh, it's based on some other Stallone movie that was terrible. Uh, well, uh, ignore that. Just swish the curtain shut. Don't don't look over there. Uh, I, and then here's our pieces to go make a movie. And mm-hmm. Apple's going to fund this. This sounds like a dirty diaper from the beginning. Well, but am I off base? You, you how sadly, off base am I? Sadly, you're off base. And here's why. Okay, great. Um, occasionally, because I will watch this movie, whatever it is. Uh-huh. It could be we garbage, and I'm going to will. watch it. Occasionally, an actual fresh script 
a spec script, something wrote, somebody wrote it on spec and thought, I hope somebody will buy this. In the same way, somebody builds a house on spec and hopes somebody will buy it. True. Occasionally, those scripts get bought. Occasionally. One of the most recent ideas that was very successful is the movie Free Guy okay. with Ryan Reynolds. Okay. All right. That is not a pre-established property. It is not something you've heard of before. It didn't come from anywhere other than somebody wrote a good script. It was excellent, by the it way. It got revised many times, as they always are, but that is the rare movie. Think about the last time you saw a great blockbuster film and had not heard of the property prior. It's been a while. Been a while. Yeah. Free Guy is one of the rare exceptions. And what's funny is Free Guy is getting a sequel. Yeah, didn't which you say Free Guy 2 is coming the out? The second one will be on pre-established property. But anyway. Because so, <laughs> it is now if you have a good enough idea and a good enough script, right? Hollywood is concerned most about making sure you get butts in the seats. So pre-established okay. property. Lord of the Rings is a great example. Is the the great holy grail. This is why Harry Potter is successful. This is why all of these things were done this way, because we know at least the people that like the property will show up if we make it halfway decent. There are plenty of times that stuff is greenlit. We go, we're going to make a movie about blank, and they have no script at all. They don't even have a story. We're going to make a movie about X. And That's what the this best, seems like. The best example I can think of, look it up when you get the time. I just found it on YouTube. Look up the Sprite death slug advertisement. It is a pitch meeting where they sell the next, and I I can't play it over the the podcast, but it is a pitch meeting from like the 90s. It's a fantastic joke pitch meeting where a bunch of executives sit in a room and they build next year's blockbuster and it's going to be a death slug movie. And they talk about all the reasons to make it. And then somebody at the tail end of the ad goes, yeah, what about script? "Ah, Whatever. It's a fantastic, funny explanation what we're talking about. I hope, look, all of this to say, I hope that this F1 movie with Brad Pitt is great. I genuinely do. I hope yes. it's wonderful. Yes. I hope they have a great screenwriter. He is a very good director. I hope it's awesome. I mean, Top Gun is exceeding expectations. Forget on box office, but just being good. For sure. For sure. So let's hope this is very good. But it is exactly the pitch of a terrible movie on the same subject. So <laughs> let's hope somebody involved is aware of this reality and goes, guys, let's avoid this. I hope there's my movie rant for the day. I just, I, mm, there it is. Wow. Death Slug. Death Slug, folks. <laughs> Sprite Death Slug. Watch it now. You'll thank me later. Moving on to our friends at Blipshift. The t-shirt this week is Add Lightness in Orange. Mm. So if you go to partner stores on the Blipshift.com website. Or through our website. Or through way. our website. Either way. That's a great point. You can find us. Our website will take you to the Blipshift partner store mm-hmm. directly. And you can find Ad Lightness in Orange. And so thanks to Mandy Combs, she has been pushing merch for us and making sure that Blipshift is running through in a weekly cadence now to mm-hmm. get content, get new designs pushed through. So that, uh, And also some designs have come back. Also, yep. if there is a design like Minister of Finance that you would really like a shirt and you have missed out on in the past, please write to us, let yeah, us know, and then we can know. ask Blipshift and say, here's when it's coming, and Put they'll, it the they'll turn it back on for us. It's going to be great. Really cool. Thank you, guys. With summer approaching and temperatures warming up, why not be prepared by protecting your vehicle with a custom-fit dash mat and a sunscreen from Covercraft? Dash mats are available in a variety of attractive fabrics and colors and keep your dashboard from being cracked by the sun. And we swear by our Covercraft sunscreens. They fit perfectly and help reduce those interior temperatures. Keep the sun off of all the interior surfaces. If you've ever burned your legs on your leather seats, you didn't have a sunscreen. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, Remember to use our code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality covers that keep your car protected and looking its best. 
Tom M. writes to us from Gig Harbor, Washington. Hey, that's where my family lives. Yeah, they're very good. I, I don't think you did that by accident. You probably <laughs> noticed. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Tom is searching for the next sports car experience. Well, he says he hopes that we consider his question as he has an exceptionally bad case of the car disease. <laughs> okay. All right, fair enough. He will turn 50 years old in autumn of 2022. He's married to a very patient and understanding wife. <laughs> It's wonderful news. Mm -hmm. He has two children, a son who was 12 and a daughter is eight years old, and they live in Gig Harbor. He's loved cars for as long as he can remember, never parted with one Matchbox or Hot Wheels car. That means you have all of them? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Spent most of his young adult and early married years being automotively practical, purchased a sports car five years ago, and then has had a nonstop parade of interesting cars in his driveway ever since. Victory! Yay! That's that's fantastic. That's the thing we used to talk about. We talked about before. Victory. Seriously, this is life done right, right there. That that the thing we talked about before is the is the midlife crisis car. And I think the thing that breaks you out of it being a midlife crisis car is it's the first of many. Yes, you and had it becomes one. normal, and it's part of your life, exactly. and you use it as part of your life. You haven't had one. You never had one. You were very, you were very responsible, as this story tells. And then all of a sudden, you buy the sports car, and then it go, <laughs> midlife crisis. That's funny for six months, but if you use it all the time, and if it's the first of next year, you're getting another one. Right. And then two years from now, you get another one. You then it just it becomes, the no, no, he's just a car guy, and he finally got there. That's exactly. the way to break out of that cycle. When Tom was between 16 and 18 years old, he drove a 1983 Renault Alliance. Okay. A humble first car, he says. <laughs> that is an understatement. <laughs> a humble first car. 60 horsepower. It was woefully underpowered. Mm-hmm. I think my iPhone has 60 horsepower. Probably, yes. He also had a 1989 Mustang LX50. He says it was his dad's car. He lists it here because he drove it every day during the summer after his high school graduation, mm. cruising with his friends, loving life. Needless to say, it left a big impression on him. Okay. Then he moved on to a 1990 Ford Probe LX, got it when he was in college, and he said it was great until it wasn't. <laughs> Those, I, I don't know, the Ford, the second generation of the Ford Probe, I still think is one of the best looking body styles ever. Yeah, it's cool looking. From the like early mid 90s. Terrible name. Terrible name, and was still front wheel drive and yeah. didn't survive. I wish that car were rear wheel drive and had been tweaked from that body style but anyway things that didn't happen it's funny that you went to the ford probe because that was the car looked at by ford to supersede the mustang yes. and you went from mustang to probe you were that buyer tom <laughs> interesting probe is a terrible oh, it's a terrible name he decided to replace that car in 1995 with a brand new 95 volkswagen gti vr6 he loved this car but quickly knew that mistakes were made <laughs> And he caught himself in over his head financially. I cannot afford this car. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> he says it was uh, somewhat the death of a dream and borderline traumatic. Because he had to get rid of that. He got rid of it yeah. after a year. Yeah. For the next 21 years, he drove a series of boring cars, including company vehicles like a Ford Taurus station wagon in white. Whoa. <laughs> that, is, that is peak dad car right there. That is, I, I'm just <laughs> driving what I have to. That is that. That's pretty much the picture. Oh, one Chevy Impala in silver. Bare, barely better. Lateral move. Barely better. Oh, four Pontiac Montana minivan. He got to order and choose the color blue. In the era when GM was naming their minivans fun things. <laughs> didn't make them fun. No, it didn't. Yeah. Was that the one with the cowboy jumping in? I think it might have been. I don't even remember. There was, a, there was an old minivan. These stick in my head. It's the way my brain works. Old minivan commercial where literally cowboys were jumping off of horses into the big side door of a minivan. And I remember thinking, that sounds cool, like the Montana. Cool stunt, but what are you doing? <laughs> 
Then he moved on to an 07 Chrysler 300 in silver. Then he got a 2010 Toyota Prius in blue. He told that the company he worked for was going green and he would be assigned a Prius. He thought his boss was joking and he laughed out loud. <laughs> I love that story. Yikes. Then he told me, told him that he was serious and aside from having woefully inadequate trunk space for his needs, the car was not a bad daily commuter and pretty decent in its own way. Well, of course they are. What? Yeah, that's why they're best-selling cars. They're great at what yes. they do. What I love is the fact that your car guy has been, he's been held back for more than a decade. Did your boss not know? And he suddenly breaks out. <laughs> When your boss says, I'm getting you a Prius, and you burst out laughing. That's the moment that he broke through, <laughs> right there. Hysterical laughter. And luckily, it didn't, didn't bother your job, apparently, which is good news. That's good. During the same time, he and his wife owned a four-door 01 Hyundai Elantra GT for 10 years. Then they replaced it with a 2011 Subaru Outback that they still have. Wow. Okay. All right. In 2017, Tom and his wife decided to buy a fun car for around $15,000. Good. He wanted a small, lightweight sports car, and she wanted something with four seats. Okay. She'd always liked the Audi TT, so they found one to test drive and took the kids along, thinking it would be great family fun. Are you aware of how small the back seats are at a TT? <laughs> yeah. He says the TT was cramped and the kids <laughs> touching everything and pulling things apart, which turned into the worst <laughs> test drive of their lives. Young kids in the backseat of a TT pulling on everything. This reminds me when I got the Phaeton. And my son <laughs> wanted to press parts of the car. He wanted to press every single button, and I was like, "Son, half these buttons aren't going to work, or they're going to fall off. Stop punching things. Or it'll Stop open it. the thing that hasn't been opened in fifteen years. And will and- never close again. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. Oh man." But the good news is that Tom's wife quickly changed her mind about four seats and approved the purchase of a two-seater as the fun date night car. Love it. On a whim, they test drove an 05 Lotus Elise and loved it. Whoa. That's, price, that's a long way from the Taurus. And the, yes, and it is. That's a long, long way. I mean, talk about repressed car guy. Taurus yes. to Elise. Elise. I have a Prius. I'm currently driving Elise's. Yeah. The price was just above $30,000 in 2017, back when, about when you got yours. Yes, right when I got mine. And pronounced that Lotus Elise's are thirty grand from here on out. Yeah, Tom, you should have bought that one in 2017. I'm just, I'm telling you, sorry, after the fact, I'm telling you, you should have bought that one. Actually, just in my car search today, I came across an 05 with 11,000 miles on it for $49,000. Wow. Just so you know. Yeah. Anyway. happening. So instead of spending the money on the Elise, they ended up with a pristine 07 Saturn Sky Redline with 24,000 miles. That probably cost you half what the Elise was uh, yeah. at the high side. Which served as sort of a gateway drug. <laughs> Love it. They drove it for 4,000 miles over the course of two years. He says the quality of the interior and the lack of rollover protection meant he couldn't take it to the track because he had become aware of driver's education and track events. But then he discovered us, who helped lead him to his next car, which was a Cayman, a 2014 Cayman S. <laughs> we're pretty much just, just telling the story to work our way to Porsche. That's really where we're headed. We should have our own pinball machine. On one side is Lotus, on the other side is Cayman. <laughs> Which side are we following? And this, just, you this play story the game falls on both. Where you end up is just That's this is awesome. what you do. I love it. So he had the Cayman S in silver with a manual transmission. He bought in 2019, joined Porsche Club of America, and then promptly <laughs> did Acros and driver's education events. Love it. He likes the car very much, drove it 7,000 miles over the course of 18 months. Good for you. Yeah, but then he sold it. Because he found the steering and engagement to not be engaging at everyday street speeds. Okay. And his wife never really loved it and found it to be bland in appearance. Oh, I take issue. This this is the same gen as your car, right? It is. It's the first gen 981. Yeah. And which I actually think, I mean, everybody's opinion is different. I get it. I actually think that is the most attractive generation of the camera. I do too. Anyway, Okay. All right. I take issue. <laughs> 
Well, good news. He sold it for 20% more than he paid for it. Planned to take his time and buying another one. But of course, that doesn't happen for people with the car disease. With money in their pocket. (laughs) I want another car. Oh, look, I have money. Guess what happens? Car of the drive. See, Tom, I'm surprised it was a Google alert that arrived Uh in your inbox at 5 a.m. notifying you of a car for sale. I'm surprised it wasn't bring a trailer with the money burning a hole in your pocket. Yes. Mine. But Google alert at 5 a.m. Notifying him of a car for sale. Did your wife know you had this search going? Anyway, so you got the alert. By 8 o'clock that morning, three hours later, you had agreed to buy, sight unseen, the car you now have. A 2005 Lotus Elise in chrome orange with 21,000 miles purchased from Park Place in Bellevue, which means it was pristine. Oh, my favorite place. You did not get a deal, but you got a pristine car. Yeah. He and his wife drove it all during the summer of 2021. They both love it. They do not plan to sell it. It is a forever car, and it has turned into his wife's fun car, (laughs) and she recently used it at the track. Your wife tracked the car. Fantastic. I love this. This is great. But then... His desire for another Porsche car grew in the summer Mm -hmm. of 2021, and with his 50th birthday on the horizon, he put a deposit for a Boxster Spider in August of 21. So that'd be a 718 Spider. Yes, correct. Okay. His car disease was in peak form, and so he purchased an 01986 Boxster S with the manual transmission, 74,000 miles, to serve as his daily and track car until the Spider arrived. So hang on. You're buying Porsches as holdover cars while waiting for your Porsche. So, so let, let, me, let me rewind this for a second. Hang on. Hang on. He bought a second-gen Cayman, a 2014, sold it to put a deposit down on the third-gen Boxster Spider. Uh-huh. And then, because that was going to take a while, you went back in time and found yourself a first-gen Boxster, a 2001-986 Boxster S with 74,000 miles to drive to hold you over. That first-gen has been great. You've driven it 5,000 miles over the last uh, nine months. It has less power than the one you had, the 981, but um, he put about $8,000 into it since you purchased it, cleaned up the interior, resolved some engine issues, but it's amazing... The Porsche so he, to tide you over until yeah. your other Porsche comes. So he puts it up for sale. He says, not up for sale. It's casually up for sale. Uh-huh. There is a difference. Mm. That means not OBO. There is no You're best right. offer. That is casually, hey. So hang on. So first gen boxers in the drive. Maybe you'll sell it. Yeah. Current latest and greatest spider is on the way. And in the meantime, you placed a bid. On a 987, this is a second-gen Boxster Spider, second-gen Boxster in spider form, which we've driven in love. It's actually one of my favorite Porsches ever. You just placed a bid on it and thought, nah, I'm just playing around. I'll place a bid. And you won. (laughs) (laughs) So now you have have the first-gen, if you will, version of the Spider Boxster, the 2012 9872 Boxster Spider, which we have driven, and and as the non-Porsche guy, I love it. Love that car. It's really good. You bought that car accidentally, so you realize it's the merging of all the Boxsters you've had so far. The 981 kind of power, but the more raw feel of the first gen 986. Sorry, lots of Porsche nomenclature being thrown around. It's the merging of the two, and I actually think it's better than both. And it's very rare. You're right. That's that 2011-2012 era where so many moment-in-time cars were made. So this has you debating... Do you keep the order on the new one? In his memoirs, Tom wrote <laughs> that his wife took all this very well, uh-huh. and came around and was actually supportive. 
He also says these spiders are rare. Yes, they are. Only 820 were sold in North America during the production run. And he likes the car, but only has driven it a few thousand miles. Plans to get it on track this summer. So for the last six months, they have owned three lightweight mid-engine manual two-seat convertibles with a deposit to build another one. So the Lotus, Mm -hmm. the first-gen Boxster, Uh the second-gen Boxster Spider with the latest Boxster Spider on order. Yep. Okay, all right. The funny thing is, Tom doesn't consider himself a convertible guy, <laughs> and he still doesn't. Uh, all of your cars could have the tops removed, but you don't like convertibles. I get it. I understand. At this point, he's considered canceling his deposit on the new Spider because he really loves the appearance of the car and wants to experience 400-plus horsepower, but he figures new builds on Porsches would be delayed longer because of the sinking of the Felicity ship. Uh-huh. And then he received a call four days ago prior to this uh, email writing that he had a build date of July and needed to decide whether to proceed or not. Wow. Okay. This has got like circles of Porsche in it, like like levels. Anyway, onward. Parts of Tom wants the car for the experience and is a 50th birthday present. Parts of Tom says that he needs a different experience. Yes, you do. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm jumping the gun. After 48 hours of deliberating and calculating, he cannot justify the net cost of $140,000 on another two-seat mid-engine convertible. Okay. He thought about changing it to a Cayman GTS 4.0 or a GT4, but ended up at the same place. Another two-seat mid-engine car. Yes, you would. I'm not seeing a problem, Tom. He says it's a much more powerful experience, but still. Mm -hmm. So like the death of a dream, he gave up his build and requested the return of his deposit. I actually think that was a wise choice. Because your 987.2 Spider is a special car. And you've said here as well that the Elise is not going anywhere. The Elise is staying. Yeah. The Boxster Spider feels like that's the, the version of the Boxster you always should have bought, and you're loving it. So he's looking for a new experience, and he's thinking maybe go very new experience, like what about a high-powered 400-horsepower or more hardtop? Maybe a V8. What about something that's trackable but actually has four seats? What about having the option to take both kids to school at the same time and still go tracking, which would be very funny. He'd like to keep the price limited to no more than $60,000, which, if those of you keeping track, is about half what he was about to spend on a Boxster Spider brand new one. I think you've made a very smart choice here. Driving manual would be really cool, but uh, he does have other manuals in his life. Tom, you already have the two cars that everyone aspires to. <laughs> the Boxster Spider and the Elise is a fantastic pair. That is a brilliant pair. Yeah. I totally agree. I see why you canceled your deposit. That is a hard choice, and it's hard for me to admit, but you're right. Todd, you're right, and Tom, you're right too. Because you've got the cars already. I am with you. It's time for a new experience. But the big problem here is you've already admitted that you were considering $140,000. <laughs> oh, no, and then good, you write to us and say sixty. Right, right. I actually thought about it in terms of 60. Oh, yeah. You certainly did. So I went there, and I added... <laughs> <laughs> Tom, yeah, not it's surprising. A, a new experience, uh-huh. and B, it's your 50th birthday, and C, you've already written, you've typed $140,000, so that means you've got it, or you could, or you could stretch, and your wife is understanding, so welcome. <laughs> oh, no. You already admitted $140,000. I, I was good, but of course, I, but you, I, you, you're right, you've got full leash there, for sure, yes. He's considering a Shelby GT350 or an mm-hmm. E90 BMW M3 or a 996 or 997 or a Chevy SS. His dream car is an air-cooled 911. He wants to have that experience before costs skyrocket beyond his reach. Too, Too late. late. <laughs> That's already happened. Ship sailed. The ship's like sailed over the horizon, <laughs> yeah, by did. the way. It's around the world gone. a couple times. 
But he says that air cool 11 will not nine 11 will not have the power that he is interested in experiencing. I have your car. Do you? I actually have many cars for you. I have a few. Because no, we're not sticking at sixty grand. We're not stopping there. You've got the two amazing <laughs> okay. sports cars, All right. All right. but it's time to throw down. Okay. And so I went looking. You said four seats at Ferrari Salt Lake City. Okay. There's a certified pre-owned 2012 Ferrari FF with eleven thousand miles for one hundred and sixty-four thousand dollars. Twenty twelve Ferrari FF front engine V twelve four seat. That is a very different experience. It's very different. It's four seats. Mm-hmm. It's the gap. It's the bridges the gap. You're the right. Lotus is on one side. The Porsche is on the other. Ferrari's in between. <laughs> you have the holy grail of the best. That's impressive. And they all actually do different things. They all actually drive differently. That's that's actually a great... I had not gone up. Ferrari up FF. Well. That's because you admitted 140. Mm-hmm. was like, eh, maybe... So I just added another twenty five grand. <laughs> the kids won't mind if their education, did. post-secondary education, is delayed by a couple of years, will they? <laughs> just hang on. Take- if you don't want to spend that kind of money, which I think you should, because FF. And, and, the kids yeah. would cackle. Cel- you celebratory would cackle. car. I, I see it. I do you see it. You have the explanation. I wrote to the guys. I didn't get another Porsche. <laughs> Look what I got. 50th birthday. Boo. Yeah. Tom is currently saying, hey, honey, come hear what the guys just said. That, that's, that's what's happening <laughs> you right know now. Is. Yeah. But if we have to be good, I did sniff around 2012 Aston Martin Rapides, which are now just above 60 grand. Mm. Interesting. So are Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifolios. Kind of interesting. Fast. Snorty. Also Italian. I have Porsche Panamera on the list, but don't get another Porsche. Get something different. Good. Bravo. So the Bravo. car that you really want is the moment-in-time car, because that's what you collect. That's a good The point. Lotus Elise, the Boxster Spider, and the BMW 1M. Yeah, that's For 60 really or good. 70. You're right. You're right. But he's got, he's got the liquidity to pull off a BMW 1M. You're right. That's a Four great seats, one. trackable, really manual good. transmission, lots of power, moment-in-time, snorty, unique, done, 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 uh, done. Now, the problem is I have to follow that recommendation, <laughs> and I can't, because, Tom, I, I didn't think of it. But I think Paul nailed it. Do you? I think you nailed it. That three-car garage. That is the different one right yes, there. Yes, and, and it's, those are definitive cars of those brands. Yeah. I, wow. I, Tom, I'm going to give you my thoughts, but I still think we're going to come right back around to Paul <laughs> recommended a 1M. So I'm going to go there. I, I, I like some of the stuff you're thinking of. Let me say this real quick. The GT350 is great. Very cool. So are the similar Camaros. You need a four-door. Let's get a different car, different sure, usage. Sure. The E90 is excellent. You had questions about the Chevy SS. It is 100% completely worth it. You could get it for less than 60 grand. You have to get it in a six-speed. You have to get it with the Magna Ride. We have had that car on loan. We mm-hmm. have had that car on track. It is great. Yes. No, yes. it is not the world's greatest interior, but it is fine as an interior. The Chevy True. SS is a great consideration. I like that. If you're driving things like this, you need to drive the Genesis G70 and surprise yourself with how good that car is. You yeah, know, the SS yeah, yeah. in a manual with Magna Ride, that's a serious moment in time. You're talking about moment in time cars, yeah. Paul. That Chevy SS with a six-speed in Magna Ride, that will never come again. It's funny how that car has turned into a moment in time car. And that that three-car garage there is also very unique. Yeah. I don't uh, know that it's quite 1M, but that but if you need actual like big, usable four-seat car, four-door car, Chevy SS is probably the top of the list. 
I do have two wild cards, though. Okay. All right. Bring it. Looking at four doors for you. Four doors, four seat cars that you will surprise. They will surprise you. Now, the problem with both of these is they're not available in manual. Yeah. Well, one ahead. of them is the uh, Mercedes CLA AMG 45. That's hot. Every time we drove that car, we just looked at each other like, why is this so amazing? Yes, please. Seats are incredible. It feels like a little luxurious Mercedes, nice little car runabout. Yeah. With anger underneath. Okay. Anger issues. Seriously. (laughs) And it is so much fun. Yeah, it is. It is crazy fun. It is everything that people like about the Evos or the STIs with a really nice tuxedo on. Yes. And it's so much fun. They are quite expensive, but your budget can handle it. So the CLA AMG 45, and then you already went there, Paul, but I want to back it up again, and that is, Tom, you really need to take, you're looking at four seats for fun, something you could track, something you could drive every day as well. Take a serious look at that Julia Quadrifolio. So good. We have tracked the car. It's brilliant. It's brilliant on track. It is very fun on a back road, but it's fun to just see it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have a V8, but it has one of the best engine notes to come out of modern cars. So you're like, yeah, all of that. Let's just start it and sit here in the drive. I mean, you would enjoy it that much. So the Julia Quadrifoglio is my favorite for you, even though I think Paul may win. It's not typically a contest, <laughs> but a in contest, this case, but... <laughs> I think Paul wins with a 1M. Come on, Boxster Spider, BMW 1M. Juicy. And then the – and you know what? Oh, yeah. You didn't say what your Boxster Spider color is, but you did say you have the chrome orange Elise. So I'm going to give you – the rare mulligan and oh. say you don't have to get the color on the one M. get the black one in make it your stealth one actually might be less money yeah make it the stealth car of the group oh you can your, wrap your bo- it whatever your boxer spider is probably white because those it's cars came in either black white. or white yeah. and the white seemed to be a little more common so my guess is that car's white the chrome orange elise the black one M. that's a garage possibly swapping out the one M for red only red no other color than red julia quadrifolio I want to fix that worst test drive ever that you guys had as a family, Tom. A test drive with the whole family to Ferrari of Seattle can't be all that bad, right? <laughs> Just take a Saturday. That's funny. Instead of the Audi dealership. I'm looking for an FF. Ferrari of Seattle, or maybe, shoot, go to back to Park Place. <laughs> Ask them, hey, you got... They'll find you something. They, they, I bet you they could find you somebody who wants to give up their FF. When, when do we ever get to entertain the thought of an FF? I, I agree. Just entertaining it alone is sort of exciting. Every time agree? I go skiing here in Park City and the guy parks his and goes skiing, I'm just like, you know what? You, I, They're so cool. You won. In the parking lot, you won. You yes. had the best day of everybody. And you'd think, oh, people are going to hit it with their skis. Or, no, because everybody's looking at it and like, oh. Somebody drove a Ferrari FF to the, to the mountain. <laughs> yes. Tiptoe, tiptoe. The only issue I have with that gentleman, which I've actually seen him in the ski line, and he's every bit as big as you and I are. He's a big guy. Is he brings he? his skis. There's no ski rack on that car. He puts his skis inside. Great. Through the hatch up to like hovering right between his shoulders and his, his pack. I, all of this is correct. The only thing I don't like about it is also the thing that I kind of go, of course you did. And that is he parks wherever. That's true. He is the guy that parks in the space is not supposed to be a space, and he backs his somehow this magically pristine FF into that little space, and everybody goes, you know what? You're fine there. You're, <laughs> You're we're just going to leave you fine there. That's what you can do with an FF. Park wherever, Tom. Rockstar parking. It is car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot, and always use the brilliant finish foaming sprayer or the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You can create a high foam blizzard party right in your driveway with little to no work and avoid the wash-induced scratches. 
It's the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. And don't forget, Griot's also has full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and Coat, and a 3-in-1 Wax. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. George P. writes to us from Los Angeles. He is shopping for a car for Sunset Boulevard. Interesting. So what you want is a 1962 Lincoln Continental with the suicide doors. Yes. The convertible. The convertible only, yes. Convertible only, and a giant stereo, and you're done. <laughs> We're done. Or or possibly a, an early, like a 1970s 911 Targa. That could also That's work. That's the other Sunset yes. Boulevard car. I like that too. Maybe. Uh, sorry, I'm continuing. Maybe a 356 Spider um, replica. Not the original. Just get a replica. Yeah. You'd have a great time. Just get the $40,000 replica. Yeah. Yeah. Where this None of these actually answer what he's looking for because when you read the actual discussion, this is a daily commute car that's going to sit in traffic, but the headline <laughs> is not that car. You and five of your best friends can sit in a Lincoln Continental in traffic. Yes, you can. You just enact entourage every day. Yeah. Exactly. Well, George is currently driving a 2019 Subaru Impreza hatch. It was perfect for his needs at the time when he leased it, but it's drastically underpowered, making fun canyon drives a downhill-only activity to gain any speed. <laughs> All right, we finally got to the top. Now it gets fun. George's needs have changed, and he wants a sports car. We agree. Okay. He's 31, lives in L.A., so he'll be sitting in traffic a lot. He wants a manual, but is out of the question because okay. of the traffic. All right. Now, he's got an hour-long commute every day. Good gas mileage would be nice, but he doesn't see himself getting something fuel-efficient. So at we, least you're honest with yourself. Yes, at least we're not. We're trying to not get something in the teens. Is essentially what's <laughs> happening. Let's let's see if we can break twenty. He's had a very short car history. An eighty eighty. Pardon me. A ninety eight Nissan Maxima. An 04 Infiniti i thirty five, which he said is essentially a rebadged Maxima. A two thousand Cadillac Eldorado, and then of course his current car, the Impreza. The Cadillac he looks back on fondly because the brute force of a V eight. Mm-hmm. Probably also because you're in the Impreza right now, and it sounds like you, you drive a car like most cyclists on back roads. We just got to get to the top so we can have the fun ride down. That's your day. <laughs> right. Asking the cyclists if they could give him a push. Hang on. I'm almost there. Uphill. <laughs> exactly. Well, he said, oh, he looked at a Cadillac Eldorado. Oh, he had one. He had one. In his that short was, history. That was the best thing. He said he all, and as wow. a result of, of looking back fondly on that, he's always wanted an American muscle car, but he loves canyon carving. Yeah, in L.A. So he realizes handling is the must. In fact, handling might be the most important thing. He's not against modding his next car. In fact, he plans on probably modding it, no matter what. His budget is around thirty grand, maybe a maximum of thirty-two thousand dollars. I found the perfect car, the perfect car for George. It checks every single box. Really? Except he said he doesn't want it. Now, okay. He, he's he's looking at the following: a twenty thirteen current or twenty thirteen to current. So something current in the Mustang GT lineup. That's a possibility. He's looked at the 2011-2014 Boss 302. There's a moment in time car, but it only comes in manual, so that might take it out for traffic. He likes the C5 or C6 Corvette, but of course is worried about the interiors. What about the same generation Z4 I had? He likes them. Mm-hmm. He guesses. He kind of like, I guess I guess I like them. They're mm-hmm. kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe an older Porsche Boxster. He's looking for recommendations. And then he starts just pontificating. Uh, he's open to Cooper Convertible. Back seats would be nice, I guess. 
would like a six or eight cylinder, but nothing too small. But he doesn't have to have that either. It'd be cool to have a good automatic. And then he says, the 86 twins and the Miata are out of the question. I've driven both their fun cars, but not for me. Hmm. This is where I'm confused, George. Hmm. You want <clears throat> a sports car that is primary about handling. You want a decent automatic. You'd like some back seats, some decent gas mileage, a car that you can get for $32,000. Needs to have decent amount of space. Hey, is it fun? This is the brand new GR86. Now, my question is, have you driven the new one? You say you've driven the 86 Twins and the Miata. That suggests to me the first gen. Have you driven the new one? Because I really think that the updated GR86 is exactly the car you want. I think it's everything you're looking for short of V8 power, but it's going to feel crazy powerful compared to your Impreza. It is made for LA Canyons. You will love it on LA Canyons. You have a surprising amount of backseat space and actual usable cargo space in that car. It will get mid-20s gas mileage, which is halfway decent. I, I'm, I'm having trouble finding, except for the fact it's not for you. Now, my question is, why is it not for you? You haven't said. Everything on your list says to me GR86, and you've said, don't want an 86. Hmm. I, I, and maybe it's just, look, I realize this is the reality. Maybe it's just personal. I just don't want one. Okay, fine. Possibly. But I re- when I read that, I've driven the 86 Twins in the Miata. I think it's first gen. Possibly. And I wonder if the second gen is all of the boxes. I have other ideas, but I had to stop there. I mean, I know it's the same car, but how about the BRZ? Because he's a Subaru guy already. Go sure. with the BRZ. Yeah. It handles great. Stay within the family. Yeah. And that is the car. You're right. Last part of his email, George says, this is going to be superficial, but he wants to look good and feel good cruising down Sunset Boulevard in whatever car he gets. And as we've established, what you'd like on Sunset Boulevard on a perfect Los Angeles day, and they exist. There are days in LA when you ha- you'll have a mo- and I, we both lived there a long time. You have yeah. a moment in Los Angeles when everything comes together and you just think, this is the best place in the world. Yeah, yeah. The, the perfect California sunshine, the tops down, whatever's going on. You're just having a moment where you're driving along going nowhere but here. Or the sunset and you get the ocean breeze. And so the, this is your that yeah. Sunset Boulevard car that makes that moment is not the car you want to sit in traffic on the 405. They're different cars. Mm. He wants to turn a couple of heads at a stoplight as hard as that is it's to do in hard Los Angeles. Hard in L.A. But as you said, it's Whatever car you get is going to just turn a few heads. It's not going to turn all the heads. True. Yeah. So don't try to turn all the heads. Yeah. Just just the few people who know. This is the opportunity to go hunting for the automatic versions of sports cars that everybody rejects. Yes, that are cheaper because they're auto. Correct. Yeah. I love your Boxster suggestion. There's many Boxsters and Caymans that are just the automatic, the Tiptronic, the older ones. Yeah, yeah. This is the sweet spot for what George is looking for. Yes to all that's that. That's the automatic six-speed that's actually in the, the six-gear uh, yes. automatic that's in our Cayenne. It's a perfectly fine transmission. Yes. It's not a track transmission, but for commuting, perfect. And for canyons, it'll Driving still be fun. Road, great. Absolutely. I mean, this is if you don't consider the GR86 the BRZ, if that's still off the table. Yes, the Boxster. I do like your other suggestions. The Corvette, kind of interesting. Z4, sure. The automatic versions of any of those. What mm-hmm. strikes you the most, George? The answer is the first gen Acura NSX. <laughs> is it not? That's the in answer. Auto. It, uh, he doesn't, in have, he auto. doesn't have the budget 
32 grand doesn't get that is that is but really good. Automatic first gen NSX is the answer. I was circling some 90s JDM stuff and wondering about it and I think you're right that actually is the because I actually was like, you know what, super autos are cheaper but they're still not that cheap. Right. You can get 300ZX autos for for that cheap but do you want that car twin turbo? Th- maybe I, I did, this is interesting. I, I went there too. The, you're right. The NSX is perfect. Is that not it's perfect? It's just twice the budget. Target top off uh-huh. automatic. Oh yeah, I bet you it's out there. It turns heads for sure. And it's perfect. people would be like, "Ah, oh, sweet car." Yeah, you're right. That's good. That would be oh, that would be the car. I know. I'll I'll, I'll let go, George. I'll let go. I looked at Z3 and Z4 coupes mm-hmm. with that inline six. You mentioned you wanted power. Yep. I did look at the 99 BMW Z3M, the M Roadster, sure, late yeah. 90s. Mm-hmm. Still, that one's still for sale in Arizona, $24,900. It, is it an auto? No, that's the problem. Because I looked at the Z4M Coupes, which I love and are barely in your budget, and they are absolutely down there. You could get one. They're all manual. You know what isn't, though, George, is a 2008 Maserati Gran Turismo for $35,000. <laughs> oh, no. Turns heads like crazy. The engine note. Eight-cylinder, back seats, low price. You're going to look like a baller. You cannot see the terrified look on my face. I'm sorry that you can't. Maserati, Gran Turismo, they look exactly the same as the early uh, aughts cars. The 08, I found one. Maserati, Gran Turismo, gray with that leather. You will. Oh, George, I'm terrified. It is the car. It's the Acura NSX, like perfect, but at your budget. But it's not. (laughs) I, I please I, do not write and say that you hate my guts if you decide to buy that car. I am almost shaking over here. I, I, that genuinely. But how cool! Me. Every yeah. time one goes by, you're like, oh, that's cool. They sound sounds oh, great. My, they sound amazing. What a cool car! And yeah. cruising down Sunset. Yeah. you can still do the canyon thing in it. It's not really designed for it, but <laughs> it's not, it's not a its best car. It's in yeah. the name, but you can. And just the cruising windows down. Listen to the engine. You don't see them. I mean, mm. I guess parts of Hollywood, you see them everywhere. But nevertheless, I think you'd really, really dig it. The problem is you dig it for about six months of ownership. Mm. And I don't want you to have that. I just, it's the perfect car. <laughs> but go after the the fun cars that have the automatic transmissions, the BMW Z3 and Z4 and the Boxsters and the Caymans. That is my sweet spot for the, you. The difference is the fact that you have to balance the perfect California Sunset Boulevard moment with the 405. That's the thing that balances right. this big time. Right. And I have to say that the Mustang GT, George, is not special enough for what you want. And no. It's not good enough in the canyons. The current GT is actually surprisingly good to drive. Every time I drive it, I'm like, these are really good, but they're just not good enough on a canyon road, and they're not special enough to drive one in Los Angeles and be like, that was the right choice. Again, the Z4M Coupe would be awesome. People that know would be like, yeah, that's cool, man. A clown shoe, that looks amazing. I yeah. really like it. They're only manual, so that's a bummer. I'm going to mention again, <clears throat> I think you're an 86 buyer. Um, Porsche, Boxster, and Cayman. <laughs> Just do go with work. BRZ at this point. They are good automatics, excellent handling, might even stand out among 911s, but some people will look down on you in L.A. for having a Boxster or a Cayman and not a 911. Yeah. Those people are wrong, but yeah, it'll still happen. Them. Yeah, I want to stop on the Corvette for a second. Okay. You said C5 or C6. Now, C5, I think, will disappoint you in interior. This is a car you're going to sit in a lot. You're going to sit True. still in it a lot. I True. think the interior will let you down. The C6 Corvette is not a great interior, but the problem is the C5 seems really dated and fiddly, and the C6 seems clean. 
Okay. It's not a nice interior. It's not like, wow, look at this interior. But it's just clean. And it's, it's clean in that kind of, it's going to sound weird, that 997 Porsche era where it's not the greatest interior, but everything is done clean enough that it's just not bothersome. Yeah. That's the C6. Yeah. You get into yeah. the C7, it starts getting crazier again. C7s are, are better than C6s if you just want more modern. I think the play might be a C6 Corvette Grand Sport. Oh. You're going to have a big V8. Yeah. You're not going to have the, but you're going to have all of the Z06 underpinnings without the crazy engine. The flared body panels that make it look interesting. That car has surprisingly good seats. Tons and tons of room. You'll be shocked at the room in a C6 Corvette. That's a good, good choice. The Grand right Sport like is that. going to be really fun on a back road, but you'll be able to buy the automatic which means it'll be cheaper. You'll have more options of finding the perfect one. That automatic will be perfectly acceptable when you are sitting still in L.A. traffic. Yeah, but when not, you get a chance to overheat. put your foot in it on a back road, you're going to be like, I really like this car. I think of everything we've talked about, for you, I want you in a C6 Corvette Grand Sport. You can even take the top off. That's really good. We'll leave it there. If you've got a debate like Tom, like George, write to us TV at gmail.com. Love hearing from you guys whenever you think of us, like, you know, Porsche 928 resto mods happen and everybody's going, <laughs> yes. See, yeah. they're back in the news. Everybody's talking 928 now. And also your car conclusions and topic Tuesdays, all of that. Thank you guys, as always, for cool questions. I'm going to start right here with Bob McCormick, who is asking the best GoPro for autocross or track days to mount behind him. Bob, I'm going to recommend this to you. Get any GoPro Hero model from 8 or newer. Prior to 8, the image just isn't really good enough. Also, be concerned about, if you're mounting it behind you, be concerned about what your exposure is set at so that it doesn't blow out what's outside the cabin and only get inside the cabin or vice versa. So just Mm -hmm. do a little bit of testing there. Also, look into how you're going to mount it because this is something we've learned from experience. You know the little heat lines that go across the back of a car for, for defrost? Oh, the back yeah. Window. The go, those heat lines create enough of a change in the back window surface that your GoPro suction mount will not stay. Yeah. So how are you mounting that, Bob? You can get, if you have a roll cage, you can get roll cage mounts that are actually really solid. You can get more heavy-duty suction cups. There are options. You can even get, like, magnet mounts, one magnet on the inside, one on the outside. We've used all of the above. That's something else to solve, but I would say any GoPro 8 and above. Marv Jonas writes to us on Facebook about three different Formula One races. And it's kind of like a track daily crush, but he it says, yes. keep one on the calendar every year. One is raced every three years and one race is abandoned. Where'd you go? And that is Monaco, Spa, and Baku. Okay. I think probably a foregone conclusion and I've had the opportunity. You've been to Monaco with your wife. Yep. I've been to Monaco to go to the Formula One race in 2014. Yeah, and it's not about the race. It isn't. Mm-hmm. It's about whose boat is bigger and are you going to the Cannes Film Festival a little bit later. It's about see and be seen. Yeah, for sure. And that's what it's really turned into. As a course, it's not that good. Mm. It's okay, but there's no passing. And you, most of the time, win the race on pole. Yeah, yeah. So I would say Monaco, but every three years. Okay? Okay. And then Spa is a real F1 track. It's so good. It's now been repaved. Mm -hmm. It's an excellent brilliant it's fun and it's interesting it's got elevation change and it's technically challenging but it's got a great straightaway yeah spa is every year without a question and baku it's another city circuit yeah. but it seems to give a lot of drivers trouble charles leclerc uh crashed last year if mm-hmm. i recall 
small alleyways between castles seems like a strange idea. I, I agree. And it's, it's a way to get a race, but that was the selection. This is what you settled on is the track. I'm not sure that that needs to continue. So I'm abandoning that one completely. I'm going to leave it there. That's excellent. What no coffee on Instagram says he's going to Vegas in the fall. He's going to go by speed Vegas. What would we suggest for someone who's never driven anything hotter than a Camaro and never been on track before? What's going to happen here, What No Coffee, is you're going to look at that big board of options and you're going to think, what's the hottest thing I could drive? Mm. But the problem is the really hot stuff costs a lot more per lap. I think you need to just rent the Cayman S. Yeah. Because it is yeah. every bit as good or as fast as everything else they have there because the track that they have, is it's a little over a mile long. It's not a long track, and it's actually got a lot of kind of technical corners on the back half that the Cayman does really well and some of the really hot stuff struggles with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's approachable to drive, and because it's the cheapest thing on their lineup, you can do a lot more laps. Mm-hmm. I think take the money you would take to rent the Ferraris or the Lamborghinis and put that amount of money into more laps in the Cayman, and just enjoy yourself. Yeah. Excellent. The Real Brochacho asks, which car brand, or which car we're in, has digital gauges that look, feel, and act the most like analog gauges? Hmm. I'm going to go with Mercedes AMG, I think. Oh, okay. Right. You can change the skins. You can change between sure. them. But they just have a classic look to them that's very easy to read. Even the sport version is yeah, great. Yeah, just very good. clear, very easy to read. I'm going to go with Mercedes. There's also RJ Giacomelli asking, why aren't charging stations covered like gas pumps? All the ones in his area are out in the open, which doesn't seem ideal in the winter or when it's raining. Good thing water doesn't conduct electricity. You're right. It doesn't. <laughs> no, be, you'll be fine. You'll sealing be just sealing fine. out water. That is number one on an engineer's priority list for any electric vehicle. That yes. is almost a foregone conclusion. That problem is when solved. Designing and engineering an electric car. You know, I, I can't say why. It just seems like the attention hasn't been put into the charging stations like they have gas stations. Not, not yet, yeah. But nobody has really considered having electric charging stations set up like a gas station with a convenience store and a, a place to actually rest and pause. They've just been put right where they can fit them into the power grid, Yeah, which yeah. means outside of a supermarket or a mall or something like that. <laughs> Drive behind this scary warehouse. I mean, right. This we kind can of tap stuff. in yeah. to, the, sure, yeah. to the grid right yeah. here, and that kind of makes sense. Instead of actually figuring out the infrastructure just still isn't there. It's not going to be there for a long time. And to retrofit gas stations, those are just big tanks underground. I'll be very curious because I think there's going to be a gas station brand that's going to decide to do it. I'm sure. That's going to decide to add it to their, like, I think about our local, just they're everywhere here is the Maverick stations that are like big stop. Everybody can get something here kind of station. Bucky's in Texas. There you go. I think there's going to be a gas station brand that's going to decide to have a little covered area off to the side that is their charging stations. But by the way, those are always going to be full. Yeah. With a line of people waiting at the restaurant inside. Yes. But I think some gas station chain is going to do it. And, and so far, though, you're right. It's, it's just, well, we need one. Where's the nearest place we can put one? And thank God for the little search feature on your nav or you'd never find it. Agreed. Guys, thanks for all your questions. Please write to us, like we said, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. And we're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.